It is playoff time in Oklahoma. That's right. USL playoffs. Tulsa is in them. Seven seed. We're going to jump into that and discuss. Uh, I don't know if we want to talk about last week, but we're going to talk about last weekend's match against Colorado Springs. Switchbacks. And we're also going to preview this week's match. First round playoffs against San Antonio FC. We have Kyle Minke on with pitchblacknews.com. He's going to get his insights of our next opponent, San Antonio FC. So, folks, batting down the hatches. It's starting to get windy, cold. It's scary, rainy, dark clouds everywhere. Folks, it is another episode of the Tornado Ice Sock Podcast. Great to be with every one of you today on this playoff edition of the Tornado Alley Soccer Podcast. Your host, Roger Graham. It is a pleasure to be here today talking soccer. I'm excited for the big playoffs this weekend. But first, before we jump into that, BGN.FM, shout out to those folks there hosting the podcast. Appreciate it. Great Lots of uh, great podcasts, lots of teams that made the playoffs. You've got team-specific podcasts on the BGN Beautiful Game Network, so you can get your fill and your fix leading up to the playoffs, which will start on Friday. Starts on Friday. I'm excited. I hope you folks are too. Been listening, and yeah, right now, uh, every, as everyone is aware, Tulsa coming in as a seventh seed in the Western Conference. Uh, a little bit of a, uh, just, I'm just going to call it what it is, really disappointing effort on Saturday, losing 4-2 to two to a team, Colorado Springs switchbacks, that they're not making the playoffs. They're just on the outside looking in. I believe finished in ninth place. They really had no chance of making the playoffs, but came into Tulsa, and really proved the point that they're a good team and, you know, and maybe played a little upset, a little bit mad that they were not in the playoffs. And really took it to us, took us to the woodshed. I'm just going to call it like it is. We did not play well on Saturday. And I hope, above hope, that we don't bring that to San Antonio on Saturday because it'll be a worse score than 4-2. I can promise you that. San Antonio is a better team. But let's, let's just kind of back up and let's kind of talk about what happened. Uh, Fabian Serta not in the match. Uh, Byers jumping in, Brian Byers jumping in and playing at the goalkeeper position. So going with their backup. And also no Colin Fernandez playing in the middle. And I don't believe we had Corrales. We had Levin in and just going off the top of my head here. But we were missing some key components here. On Saturday, you know, Tulsa went up uh, one nil early in the match in the, in the early in the uh, first half. So we thought, well, you know, here comes the route. Here comes the, you know, the butt whipping that we're about to put on on Colorado Springs. So the first goal came in with Ugarte uh, in the 29th minute. And then after that, you had. Another goal by Tulsa just a couple minutes later, really in a 35th minute, Christian Tierjan uh, with a nice little strike there to make it 2-0. Tulsa Roughnecks. And then 
two, three minutes later, Ken Von Freider for Colorado Springs switchbacks puts one in. And honest to goodness, I, I don't even think I saw the goal. Uh, I, I don't know if I was just talking or not paying attention. But, you know, when the other team scores at one oak, you don't, unless they're, they actually brought fans, you don't really hear much. Just no one really reacts. And the other team's celebrating. And the announcer will make some announcement, a uh, goal by Colorado Springs. And that's really all you hear. And so if you're not paying attention, and I, I'm not usually paying attention to what the loudspeakers are saying, you know, there's really no pop in circumstances. It's just it happens and all right. And then you see the guys line up at midfield and they play on. So I didn't even see that goal happen. I looked up just in time to see uh, Bert put his goal in. And then it was like, oh, wait, hang on. They're, they're, wait, it scores 2-2 now? Wait, what, what happened here? And then before you could react to that, you know, it's halftime. And then all of a sudden, after halftime, uh, you have another goal by switchbacks. And then, you know, you have another one in the four, in the 66th minute. And all of a sudden, you're losing 4-2. Or actually, well, 3-2 right after halftime. I mean, by the time you, you went to get something to eat and sat down, I think it was dollar hot dogs, you grab you a hot dog or two and sat down and having a conversation. You look up and, holy cow, Colorado Springs is winning 3-2. And then 66th minute, Ken Von Freider again with a brace. So and really the goal by Burt, the second goal he had, uh, came off of a bad clearance by Brian Byers. Uh, just a tough day for him. Uh, I think by his own admissions, he'd probably tell you the same thing. Didn't, didn't have a good day at the office. And then, you know, nothing really bouncing your way. I've been there. I've played goalkeeper and, and uh, indoor and going to clear the ball and there's some warm body in front of you and hit it off them and goes in the back of the net. It happens. But anyway, uh, not really much to set and talk about in this match. Uh, like I said earlier, we had a few missing components. Um, Corrales didn't play. He, was, he didn't even come in as a sub. Uh, Francisco Igarte, same thing. Rivas came on as a sub. And, uh, you know, we had Svantessen up top, who the new look, Svantessen, does no longer have his, uh, the man bun going. He is more of a kind of a Tom Brady haircut kind of going on, I guess, <laughs> just a normal haircut. Uh, but anyway, really, I, I thought our defense looked pretty shaky. Um, now I realize we didn't have all our components back there. And Bourgeois took a little bit of a knock in the match. It seemed like uh, early on, I don't know if it was just a, you know, he got hit in the head or, or uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly what happened. It happened on the other side of the pitch, but, you know, it looked like he took a little bit of a knock in the game. So I don't know if that, you know, had an effect on him, but uh, he ended up playing for the remainder. I don't believe it was subbed out at all. But anyway, just uh, maybe we were looking ahead or, you know, so many subs coming in and, and second guys, second team guys get a little playing time. Maybe, you know, it was just, you know, it just wasn't going to happen for the Roughnecks this evening. But, uh, you know, not carrying a lot of momentum coming into the playoffs and, you know, just looking at some of the tweets and some of the folks, you know, chatting on social media, 
Not a lot of people were giving Tulsa much of a chance in San Antonio. I've had people say, well, out of the possible matches, and I guess we'll segue into that because there's really what not much to talk about from the Saturday match, but uh, you know, this, the playoffs are set up in the Western Conference, so that's what we know most, so we'll talk about that just for now. We'll, we'll jump into the East here in just a minute and just maybe talk a little bit about who the favorites are there, but you know, we have the Monarchs hosting San Antonio, or I'm sorry, uh, the Monarchs hosting uh, Sacramento Republic. And let's just, just kind of go through a few uh, scores here on the 7th, on the 27th of uh, September. You had a, or I'm the 17th of September, I should say. No, it's 27. I was trying to read the dates. It's all kind of backwards and weird here. It's like 27 slash 9 slash 17. My gosh, why do people try to make things the most confusing things, confusing way possible? Anyway, so that game was in Sacramento. Salt Lake City won 2-0. And then in Salt Lake City on the 17th of, God, not 17th. It's the 13th of May. Jeez. Anyway, 13th of May, Salt Lake City got the victory there. And then going back a couple of seasons, it looks like, you know, Sacramento mostly had this series, but this is a new year, a new Salt Lake City team. 2-0 has been the score there in both matches, both meetings. And a lot of people feel like Salt Lake City just going to be really tough there in elevation, cooler weather, you know. I, I think Sacramento Republic is kind of like Tulsa right now, kind of limping into the playoffs. And so not a lot of people giving Sacramento a, a lot of chance here. But, you know, last year no one really gave Orange County a chance and they ended up beating Sacramento in Sacramento. Anything can happen. You take somebody into PKs or extra time, all bets are off. But I, I really – I believe the Monarchs will get that win there if I was a betting man. And then their second match, Swope Park Rangers hosting Phoenix Rising. This is, uh, you know, I'm going to be interested to see what the odds makers say about this. In fact, I'll look real quick and see what they say about this. I actually uh, just looked and there's no odds at the moment. I, I I believe they come out either Wednesday or Thursday, a couple of days out offshore. You can't really, I don't believe there's Vegas lines on these at all. Every once in a while, you'll see some Vegas lines for these matches. But anyway, that's not as a, not, not posted yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if Phoenix rising, it'd be the favorite in this match. Even if it's a away match just because they've, they've got so much talent and they've played so well recently. They and them and Tulsa or Oklahoma city have played so well lately. Um, I mean, sometimes, you know, a lot of people can ride that momentum, you know, into the playoffs. And sometimes, you know, it's not really doesn't mean much. And, you know, you lose and it's so what big deal. If you had momentum, it still comes down to playing in a match against another team. I don't know. I don't know if I'm a I, I am a little bit of a believer in momentum, but sometimes I think people may use that as a crux say, oh, that's that's how they're going to win because they have momentum. But I, I, I don't think that that's the case with uh, San Antonio, or I'm sorry, with uh, Phoenix Rising. I think they're just a good team. And they got better with the addition of D.J. Drogba, 
Sean Rob Phillips getting a partner to play with. Uh, you know, Johnson playing very well right now is what uh, he's just all over the field. And, and just seeing what I saw and how they scored so many points against Tulsa when they were down 3 0 or down 2 0 early on to come back like that. I just think they're just a great team. So I would say Phoenix Rising is probably going to pull off the mild upset there in Swope Park. And I believe that they've had the momentum, not momentum, but the series as well. Uh, yeah, I played on the 18th of June early on without uh, DDA Drogba 2-2 at Swope Park. And then they turned around and played, well, on the 23rd of April, Phoenix won in Phoenix, getting a few goals by uh, Rigi, uh, Rooney, and Cortez, who we had on the show before, Chris Cortez. And then, yeah, and uh, actually on the 16th or on the 18th of June, they did have Drogba, and that was at Swope Park where they, t- they drew a 2 2. And then Phoenix with the draw on the 7th of September. Oh, that was 2016. So forget I said anything about it. I was like, wait, Chris Tierpak scored? That was last year. So, yeah, anyway. Uh, so Phoenix had the advantage this season, a 4-3 win and then a 2-2 draw in Swope Park. So anyway, uh, this match will be at Children's Mercy Victory Field there in Swope Park. And like I said, I, th- I think – Phoenix Rising gets the win there. And then let's move on to Reno hosting Oklahoma City. I think one of the hottest teams in the league. Reno won in Reno on the 20th of September, 3-0. But OKC got the win back in, like on the 2nd of August, 1-0. Angulo and, and, you know, uh, Fekka, he had a, Hattie in that match and on the second or the twentieth of September. So, anywho, you know this was my upset special: Oklahoma City getting the win. I don't know if I'm. I don't know. I think I've kind of cooled down from what I was thinking earlier. Like, okay, yeah, Oklahoma City's played so well lately. They're they're playing hot right now. They're getting warm at the right time. I'm still going to go with Oklahoma City winning the match. But I don't know. It's going to be tough. Reno's really good. Playing in elevation, cold, late fall, fall, whatever. It's here in Oklahoma, it takes a while for it to become fall. There in the elevation, it doesn't take long. It gets cold pretty quick there. But yeah, we'll see. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I, early on, I think, yes, Oklahoma City's going to win that game. And I'm still going to go with that, but I'm not as, I don't know. I'm a little more pessimistic now, but whatever. Uh, You know, forget logic thinking, right? This is a playoffs. Anything can happen. And then finally, our match in San Antonio, Tulsa, taking on San Antonio FC. You know, not a lot of people giving uh, Tulsa much of a chance here. It's crazy. Like I mentioned earlier. People are ready to put San Antonio in the finals, Western Conference finals. And sometimes this is the match that doesn't go the way people think. You know, it's always the match that people don't expect a result or an upset. 
and all of a sudden everyone's turned on their head because Tulsa or this team that no one's really given a chance makes a move, you know, gets a goal. San Antonio can't put one in. I mean, anything can happen in the playoffs. It's one match. These teams have played each other three times this year, okay, going including the Open Cup where Tulsa was victorious to – Neil Neil draw, taking it to PKs, and Tulsa took care of business. That would be really dramatic, and a lot of people would love that here in Tulsa. Maybe not so much in San Antonio. I don't know. I, I think San Antonio is going to be – they have good defense. They play well at home. I I, I don't know. I I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know if Tulsa is going to have – enough to get past them in this match. Uh, 3-1 in San Antonio back on the 17th of June and then on the 30th of September, San Antonio, Forbes, Ojong with goals. Tierpak with a brace in that first match with Vega and Rebus getting one in the 27th minute. You know, Tulsa tied it. And Tierpak did what he does, which is break people in Tulsa's heart. Okay, he just... He does a good job against Tulsa for whatever reason. But anyway, so that rounds out your first round. And then I still think um, – I'll tell you what. I think Phoenix Rising is going to make it to the Western Conference Finals, upset the Monarchs, and I believe that they will be playing San Antonio in the finals in the Western Conference. So let's go to the East real quick. We have Bethlehem Steel going up against Louisville City FC and Louisville. Louisville's been tough all year. They've uh, you know, beaten Bethlehem 3-1, 1-0. And then I guess they've played each other three times as they play. Yeah, so right now Louisville getting wins in Bethlehem. Excuse me. Bethlehem and in Louisville, and then to draw it around it out, you, you really fancy uh, Louisville there in that match. Uh, Rochester and the Charlotte Independents playing each other. Two old firm, old school USL franchises going up against each other. Well, not really Charlotte, but definitely uh, Rochester. And it looks like they split the series this year. So who knows? That might never know how that match might go. It's in Rochester. Maybe the Independence gets the victory there on the road. Um, yeah, I'll go with that. Sounds good. Sounds like a good plan. Charlotte Independence, we're going to go with you. And then Rowdy's hosting FC Cincinnati. That'll be the power match there. Two good supported franchises looking to go MLS. Cincinnati making the trip to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is pretty tough at home. So I would give them the nod and just looking at previous meetings here. Tampa Bay, looks like they have the series. They had the win in Tampa Bay 2-0, which was on the 6th of July. And then they played earlier back in the 19th of April. I believe I watched that match in Cincinnati on TV or somewhere. Anyway, looks like I'll go with the Rowdies in that one. And then, I know, by the way, I know nothing about the Eastern Conference other than what I was telling you. So I, I, yeah, I have, I'm just pulling these out of my behind right now, seriously. Right now, let's look at this other match. 
And this is the Red Bulls 2 and the Charleston Battery. The Charleston Battery with, uh, let's see here. It's funny if you look up the, is this right? Yeah, so if you look up the uh, info on the tab on USL, it has Rochester and Charlotte Independence. So, yeah, if you click on it, it doesn't. It, I guess the link's broken or whatever. Anyway, so I'm going to go with Charleston Battery. They've, they've been pretty good all year from what I've seen. So I will go with Charleston Battery. And I'm going to go with ultimately uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies and Louisville City FC in the finals. And I'm going to pull the upset and say the Rowdies win because I think it would be awesome to see Sean Wright Phillips go up against Joe Cole. Just based off that alone. I think that'd be great. We'll have just like an all English, just slugfest out there. It'll be fun times. No question. And plus we don't have a two team playing in the finals. I mean, let's be honest. I think we're a little tired of the two teams being out there in finals, right? I mean, we saw Red Bull New York and Smoke Park last year. I mean, I was excited because it was on ESPNU and, and the USL is being showcased on ESPN channel. Really kind of an unexciting matchup, to be honest. This I would be intrigued with. If we get one of these power teams like Louisville City, I'll even say Louisville City or uh, Cincinnati, Tampa Bay, or a Phoenix Rising, Saint, uh, yeah, Salt Lake City. No, well, not really Salt Lake City. I meant uh, San Antonio. If we get San Antonio in there, one of these, you know, independent power clubs. I mean, in Oklahoma City or Tulsa, would also be really intriguing because you have these small clubs that are being represented, or a Charlotte, or uh, a Rochester. I just don't. Having a two team in the finals does nothing for me unless they're playing an independent squad, which I think that would be intriguing. And and I'm not picking against the teams just because, you know, I'm biased against the two teams or whatever. I I really think Phoenix is the best team in the West. And I think at times when Tampa Bay really gets it together, they could be the best in the East. But we'll see. Maybe I'm dead wrong. Both teams get eliminated the first round. Swope Park moves on to play Real or the the Monarchs and, and then the Monarchs end up winning the West and, and then New York Red Bulls make a big run out of seventh position there on the in the what in the East, and all of a sudden you have like Monarchs playing, you know the Tampa Bay or not Tampa Bay, but you're you're playing uh, Red Bull New York too. Who knows? Who knows? But you know it is, it is interesting right now. You know last year with all the two teams and B teams making a playoffs, and this year you only have Bethlehem. And uh, the Red Bull New York in the east. And then on the west, you only have Swope Park and the Monarchs. So you only have four teams that are B or two-team type or two, you know, second team or whatever you want to call it in the playoffs. So if you're someone like me who enjoys seeing the independent teams, this is a good good field. Um, You know, there's not one region that, has a team that, you know, in the in the uh, USL that's not represented. You have a lot of mountain teams and, uh, you know, Oklahoma's represented very well. Texas with San Antonio, 
California, you have really only one team, I guess, in California, but, you know, Phoenix rising there. First time they've made playoffs uh, since, I think, their first year. Reno, first-year team in the playoffs. Swope Park, a team that made it last year in the finals. And you also, on the other side, you have Red Bull New York, too. So you have these teams that had success last year back in it. Same thing with Sacramento. But Monarchs didn't make it last year, and now here they are. Team that's really struggled ever since they've been in USL. Now they're in the playoffs in a pretty good position at first seed. We'll have uh, home field throughout the playoffs if they continue to win. Louisville City, a team that uh, you know, since they've been in the USL, they've been a they've been a very competitive. Bethlehem Steel, you know, a team that didn't. I don't believe they made it last year. If they did, they were really low seed. Didn't make it very far that I'm remembering. You know, like I said, I don't keep up with the East as well. But the folks who do, I know I've just kind of overheard their podcasts and different things they've talked about. But anyway, uh, Rochester Rhinos made the finals, what, two years ago? Tempe Rowdy's coming out of the NASL back to the USL. They will be um, represented there playing a home match. SC Cincinnati power team there. And then you have the Charlotte or the Charlotte Independence and uh, Charleston Battery there on the coast. So, uh, again, there are lots of teams, lots of intriguing matchups, a lot of intriguing teams representing this field of USL playoffs. I'm excited. I'm sure you are too if you are listening to this podcast. But first, we will break down the first round match. Tulsa and San Antonio. And I have none other than Kyle Menke. Pitch Black News coming on to Talk Shop on the Tornado Alley Soccer Podcast. All right, folks, like I mentioned earlier, we have a great guest coming on to talk about the next match for Tulsa Roughnecks playing against San Antonio FC down in San Antonio at 7.30 at Toyota Field on Saturday. Kyle Menke with pitchblacknews.com. Kyle, how's it going today, man? It's good. It's good. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be able to chat about playoffs this year. Didn't get a chance to do that last year, so pretty excited. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> weird. You sit there and say that, and then in my mind, I'm processing it too. You're right. San Antonio is as good as they were last year at times. Did not make the playoffs. I rectified it this year. Got it going. Uh, really a team that, you know, come in second place of, in the whole Western Conference what do you think is attributed to that big turnaround in San Antonio? I think the biggest thing was just having time to actually develop the team a little bit better. Um, last year was their first year, and it was kind of a mad rush to get everything ready for the season, um, building a roster, making sure Toyota Field is ready to actually play mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, all the X's and O's. Um, this year they were able to focus on the roster a little bit more, we got a couple players that were familiar with San Antonio from the Scorpions NASL days um, back and, and just kind of, you know, I, I hate to detract from the 2016 guys too much, but mm -hmm. it's just generally a better roster from top to bottom. And, sure. and it's showed in the results so far. Yeah. And you, you could tell that first year, you know, you're, you're getting a team together late. 
you know, we experienced that in 15. You're like, okay, we got to get some warm bodies out here that can play soccer and, and not, it's not, you know, discrediting anybody played in that year, but just, Hey, we need some people quick. And then second right. year, you know, you got the, the Spurs group really took a focus on getting those players. And like you said, uh, Chris Tierpak was one that comes to mind. And I think we've talked about in the past and all the, Billy Forbes, who scored a ton of goals for San Antonio, and then getting Restrepo that back there in the back. Uh, it's really a t- really a solid team this year, aren't they? Yeah, and you know, I, I have to knock on wood here. I don't want to jinx anything, <laughs> but one of the big issues last year was some of the better players that they did have. They had injury issues throughout mm. the entire season, and this year it looked like that was going to repeat itself because the starting goalkeeper, Matt Cardoni went down very early in the season mm-hmm. on a non-contact play had, has had lower body injuries ever since we haven't seen him since. Um, luckily for San Antonio, Diego Restrepo was sitting on his couch and, mm-hmm. um, needed a place to play and they picked him up initially as a backup. And now, um, you know, he finished the regular season with 12 clean sheets, uh, the most in the league. Uh, he was one clean sheet away from tying the league record on that. Um, so this guy that they brought in to be a backup essentially to their franchise San Antonio goalkeeper mm-hmm. um, ended up being arguably the best in the league and sure. really a season saver. Um, and, and then you mentioned Chris Tierpak. He's been huge for them. Billy Forbes. uh played for the Scorpions and um, so did uh, Cesar Elizondo and Rafa Castillo Mm -hmm. who um, have contributed a lot this year too. And especially at the beginning of the season, the chemistry between Elizondo and Forbes, it was like they'd never missed a beat. Um, Mm -hmm. It was like they played 16 together. Um, So, so all of those things helped a lot. And then a couple really crucial mid season roster pickups um, has kind of propelled the attacking side of the field into what we have right now um, going into the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, stack team all around guys who've played together. It really been helpful for uh, San Antonio this season for sure. And having the success they've had obviously on the field. Did you envision getting a second place finish this year just by starting <laughs> the season or, or is this something you thought San Antonio really had a chance to do? This is going to sound very Homer-ish of me, That's but okay. I actually picked San Antonio to win it all coming into the season. Okay, there you um, go. Just because of some of the some of the guys that they signed in the uh, off season, I was just blown away. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned the guys on the attacking side, but really the key to this team the whole season has been the defensive side of the ball sure. because they nabbed Sebastian Abiaga mm-hmm. and uh, Cyprian Hedrick uh, from OKC, of course. Um, and then oddly enough, because of an injury, Hedrick went down early and Stephen McCarthy, who, um, was with San Antonio last year was kind of expected to be the third center back this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he stepped up where Hedrick can play and he won that starting spot outright. And he's played, um, the best soccer that we've ever seen him play. So, and then of course, Greg Cochran and Ben Noonan as the fullbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the back line, um, is solid enough on its own, but then you put Restrepo behind them and it's a very difficult team to score against. Yeah. And unfortunately Tulsa's had first experience hand first hand experience outside of some PKs (laughs) on at TU's uh, soccer stadium. But yeah, only one goal so far conceded uh, to Tulsa from uh, San Antonio FC. 
came into town, 2-0 win, and then I believe 3-1 in San Antonio back in, I believe, I think it was June. or I, It's been a while. I've slept since then, but it's, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> we had it tied it coming in, and then Tierpack had a couple of goals there to, to, to blow it open. But, yeah, that's the, the thing. I think just reading a few of the comments, um, Evan Eister, who's, you know, the stat guru of the Western, of really all of USL, had, meant, had put San Antonio winning the whole thing based off what you just said, the defense and, and how well they've played. And traditionally, you know, as they say, it's defense wins championships. And I think that's going to be the calling card for San Antonio is, is that, that stout defense and that back line. So at least uh, the Iron Pony chef, he, he's, he's on board with, the, <laughs> with San Antonio winning it all. And, and that, that's a pretty good endorsement if you, if you know him very well. But Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, absolutely. Well, what's the feeling like right now just talking with folks – you know, I've been seeing a lot on the social media, and I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but a lot of people are kind of overlooking Tulsa. And and it's always, to me, I'm like, oh, that's good because, you know, that means that increased your chances of pulling an upset. But <laughs> right. I don't know. I Just San Antonio looks really solid here. But did you have that same sense that people are kind of thinking ahead instead of focusing on the match in front of them? I don't think so, yeah. um, especially having seen what happened in the U.S. Open Cup where Tulsa eliminated San Antonio. Um, it did take all the way to penalties to decide that. But sure. um, I, I don't think that the San Antonio fans that are paying attention are taking Tulsa for granted by mm -hmm. any means. Um, I think looking at you know, the potential matchups going into the weekend, Tulsa was one that I think the San Antonio fans preferred over mm. OKC, who has always given San Antonio issues. Sure. Um, but I definitely don't get the feeling that everyone expects an easy match by any means. Sure. Um, but one thing I will say is that I think the feeling with the fan base here is that the momentum is going in the right direction for San Antonio right now. Sure. The defense is still holding pretty strong. Um, but we have had uh, a couple guys really get hot right at the end of the regular season um, and, and start scoring some goals, which has been an issue mm. at times this year and last year. So um, cautiously optimistic, I think, is is how I would describe most of the fan base from from what I've gathered. Yeah, and you kind of hit on something I want to ask you about. Who, who do you think on the San Antonio side has to have a good next two next game, two games, three games for uh, San Antonio really to run the table? Well, defense wins championships, right? Sure. Like that, that cliche is a cliche for a reason. Um, but barring that, barring holding a clean sheet, um, Billy Forbes has been in fantastic form. He just set the franchise record for goals, which of course, you know, the, the team's only been around for two years. So sure. Um, not a long-standing record, but uh, 10 goals, he did set that record. But one of the mid-season pickups I mentioned, Ever Guzman, has scored three goals in the last three games, I believe, mm -hmm. or two games. Um, he, he's had four on the season, and, and he really hasn't played very much at all. So um, if, if Ever and Billy can kind of keep up that form, I think, um, you know, the defense should be able to hold and, you know, things will go San Antonio's way. But um, like we've said, we've, we've seen issues where San Antonio wasn't able to finish on the attacking end. So mm -hmm. that's always the question mark for this team. Right. Yeah. And the worst thing you want to do in the playoffs, and no matter who you're playing, is 
go nil nil or one one, and all of a sudden you're playing for PKs, and right. anyone can win anytime. And and as Sacramento, you know, they went <laughs> down to Orange County, going taking them to, to PKs, and uh, it's a lot of. I mean, I love it personally as a fan. I'm like, oh yes, you know, as long as it's not my <laughs> team in the PKs, right? right? But anyway, so. Uh, yeah, let me ask you this. Can I kind of switch gears on you just for a second? Yeah, yeah, uh, of course. So this is totally catching you, like totally off guard here. But love it. <laughs> uh, United States men's national team. I haven't even talked about much in, oh, in the gosh. playoffs. I know. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Right. So it had to happen the same weekend and same time. OU lost to Iowa State. And uh, anyway, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you? Do you have any? just from your perspective or just maybe just a wild guess of who anything uh, from the soccer federation side, maybe to the next coach, what, what needs to happen or what you expect to happen uh, at that level right now? Well, I think the first step was for Bruce arena to step aside, um, which he did. Obviously that's solid. Um, I I think the second step is going to be um, Galati you know, either not running in February sure. or being defeated, um, which obviously that's out of most people's hands. Sure. But uh, I think the the short version is that we've seen MLS and USL and, and even NASL go through these transformative phases where mm-hmm. they've matured as soccer leagues and they've started to be respected a little bit on the world stage. And it doesn't feel like the um, national team, the men's national team has taken the same steps. It feels like, um, you know, they're still kind of locked into, you know, the early 2000s <laughs> and we're right. here, you know, 17 years later and nothing's changed. So um, I, I don't know what the answer is. Sure. <laughs> I know there's a lot of problems um, over my head, but um, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic seeing the U 17s doing so well uh, at their world cup right now. And I, I hope that they can find a coach that's able to, um, you know, find the talent that that's out there. Um, And, you know, bringing it back to USL a little bit on the same subject. Um, a lot of people want to pin the federation as being in charge of, you know, the development side and, I think what's more important is things like San Antonio FC. They have a academy that is no cost to the players. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're getting this professional coaching from a young age uh, in, in this super professional organization. And I think that's what the answer is, is mm-hmm. you know getting these stable um, regional professional clubs to support the youth in their region. Sure. Um, I, I think that's where it all starts. And it's really exciting to see that in USL and MLS and, you know, some of these different markets that we've had a chance to chat with. Yeah. And you were even seeing that here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, Tulsa's not a major metropolitan area by, you know, it's a medium size or whatever you want to call it. But, you you know, if let's say my son or if I have a daughter or whatever down the line, uh, you know, could have potential to, if you're good enough, you could stay here in Tulsa and not have to travel to Kansas City or to right. or Denver or Dallas to get good coaches. And it's all here in, in-house. So I think the more teams, kind of like you said, going back to the federation level, USL level, I think it even goes further down than that. You know, the amateur levels is you get more teams playing, you get more kids playing soccer, more people playing soccer. You're going to have a bigger depth 
and breadth to pull from to for the national team and that development. Right. And I think you're starting to see that, like you mentioned earlier, the U17s. You know, George Weiss' son is just lightening it up today. You know, had yeah. a ph- phenomenal. Uh, Tim's his name, right? Tim, anyway, his his. I know George Weiss, so but anyway, yeah, yeah his son uh, <laughs> playing for PSG, by the way, uh, PSG Academy, just tearing it up for the U17. So. Yeah, there you is, got uh, Cameron Carter's vicar mm-hmm. across the pond is, you know, still hasn't gotten his chance with the U.S. national team, but he's lighting it up in England's second division. And, you know, Josh Sargent, you mm-hmm. got all these guys that are, are really solid. And you look at Clint Dempsey, who had to travel from Nacogdoches to, I think, Dallas was yep. where he actually played when he was growing up. And, yep. you know, hopefully we're we're eliminating that with these USL franchises that are becoming more and more stable and, and able to have that footprint in their market. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good insight, uh, Kyle. And uh, before I let you go, uh, pitchblacknews.com uh, is where you can find Kyle. Do uh, you have any upcoming episodes? I know you've probably got some posts coming up. Uh, just tell some folks uh, where they can find you on social media and uh, the website. Well, I think I mentioned the website, but whatever else you <laughs> yeah. got out there, man. So our website is pitchblacknews.com. Um, that's where you're going to find all of our written stuff, our previews, our opinion pieces, all that good stuff. Um, our podcast, Pitch Black the Podcast, you can find on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Podient, pretty much anywhere where podcasts are found. Um, and we'll be releasing this week's episode, I think, Friday morning okay. uh, is what we usually aim for. Um, our schedule has been a little wonky lately, but uh, yeah, Friday morning, Pitch Black the podcast, we we should have our preview pieces and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, we're, we're excited for the playoffs here. It's been a while. Oh, and you can follow us on Twitter at Pitch Black News. Um, my personal account is at Kyle underscore Mankey. Um, and then my, uh, co-host with the podcasts, Aaron Marvel is at MLS and SA. Um, so we, we tweet a lot, probably more than we should, but, uh, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, Hey, I've got a hot take. Here it is. You know, <laughs> people don't even care about my hot takes. Like I won't give a like or anything. So it's like, okay, I guess am I talking into an echo chamber here? But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Hey Kyle. Hey, I appreciate your time. Kyle Menke here with pitchblacknews.com. Kyle, always great to have you on and uh, good luck the rest of the way, buddy. Same to you. It was fun. Thanks for having me. You got it. All right. Thank you so much, Kyle. Kyle Mankey with pitchbacknews.com. Giving his insight, all things San Antonio FC. And that is all the time we have tonight. BGN.FM, thank you so much for putting up with me. To all you great listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in, chatting with me on Twitter. I appreciate it. And we will have whoever picks the most teams that wins in the first round. I'll bring you on the show next week and tell me how you've had such luck picking all the teams. But from me, Roger Graham, 20 Alley Soccer Podcast, have a great time. Have a great evening. God bless you. Take care.